Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. We do these live sessions on a weekly basis, Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific time. I am Danny, and I'm based in Southern California. And today we're going to talk about resilience, or resilient, depending how we, uh, we want to look at it. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a second. I want to introduce myself because this live goes on three channels uh, being broadcast on three live channels and being recorded to our podcast. So if you are here uh, for the first time, then I just want you to know that you can consume this or listen or watch this on a live session like we are right now on and also watch the recording. The recording is available on YouTube. The recording is available on our podcast uh, and over here on our business page, on Simply Do His Business page, you know, we just have to find it and go down, uh, scroll down. We have past recordings available as well. So everything we do, we try to provide information and knowledge and share with you. And it's, uh, you know, and it's all being recorded on multiple, you know, channels. So you can find, you can consume it. Uh, you can benefit from it, however you see fit, podcast, you know, or, uh, or an actual video. My name is uh, Danny Bitor. I have been a real estate investor since 2002. So I'm getting close to the 20 year mark. Hard to believe that 20 years, almost 20 years have passed. In my career, um, I have not, I'm not only an investor, I also help and support and guide other investors in, the, in uh, making real estate investments. Primarily, my experience and the focus has been rental properties in different parts or different metros of the U.S., um, in nice communities, I would say middle-class communities, upper-middle-class, lower-middle-class communities, uh, good schools, etc., in markets that are coming up, you know, that are showing strength and resilience. We're going to talk about that, you know, today. And in my career, I've done some flips, I've done some tax liens, I've done uh, some, you know, a little bit of uh, a commercial, a little bit of land, a little bit of... Uh, um, 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 uh, uh, not notes, but, you know, private money lending. So that's really a very small number relatively to the number of transactions I've been involved with. So for the past 16 years, I have been involved in more than 4,500 transactions, primarily purchases of rental properties uh, in different parts of the country, like I said. Um, this week alone, we are the first, uh, sorry, probably the last week of June 2020. It's been a very powerful, very strong week. Multiple offers have been submitted uh, in multiple metros with multiple agents. So this is a very strong week for us. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just uh, good, good to have something like this happening uh, during the current times that we are, uh, that we are going through. Um, so... My business, my company, simply do it. If uh, you search, uh, you want to look for the podcast, you do simply do it podcast or simply do it guided real estate investing. You'll find the podcast. Uh, we have a, a blog. We have a properties, you know, that we, you know, uh, website. I'll put all those things, you know, in the in the in the comments or they're already in the comments. We have um, an education website. Uh, so we really put a lot of uh, information out there. Uh, a lot of it is free. And we try to really send it, you know, the information out to you guys um, with quality and not a sales pitch. I think that people are smart enough to connect with people that are 
knowledgeable and experienced and can help guide them through investing and less attracted to people who are trying to sell them some product or service or anything like that. So that's not what I'm trying to accomplish here. Now, today I want to talk about resilience or like I call this, you know, this, uh, uh, this session today, why resilience or resilience is more important or as important um, as ROI. Okay. So let's just, you know, let's just, you know, uh, kind of dive into those two main indicators or two main, you know, uh, uh, parameters, resilience and uh, ROI. ROI, return on investment. I'm just going to make the assumption that everybody's watching knows what our return on investment is, how to measure. If Even if you're not proficient with measuring, you, you know, that's a whole topic by itself. And actually, there is a, you know, there is a session about that, how to calculate the, the total ROI on investment property. So if you go to the podcast, you go to the YouTube channel, you go to one of the, of the things. That, by the way, we're on Instagram now, too, for the third week. Um, you can look for, look it up and, and look for the, how to calculate the total ROI, a whole session just about that. That's why I'm not going to dive into it. So return on investment is a financial indicator that helps us measure the potential or the success, uh, of a certain, you know, investment. Now I want to talk about resilience and especially I think it's important nowadays with what's uh, going out, going on out there. So when I talk about resilience, I'm talking about, so let, me, let me step back. For years, when I looked into where should I consider investing in the, in, the, in, in the U.S., what metros should I be looking at, I always tackled that question. Or what's the next metro I want to wanna, um, start investing in? I always tackled this question with not the ROI, but with the safety or the durability or the resilience of the metro. Meaning, in my mind, see, I started investing in, in, in 2002. I really stepped up, you know, and started doing it more on, on a large scale and professionally in 2004. And in 2007, 8, 9, obviously, we all know what happened. And that period, the, the downturn of 2008 crash really uh, hit me hard. On a, on, a, on, a, on a big magnitude, right? When I say big magnitude, that means I had multiple properties of my own. So that obviously it's a storm and that I had to weather that storm on a personal level. But even with my own personal level or portfolio, the number of investors I've been supporting and working with at that time was much greater than my own portfolio. So I had an opportunity. I had a chance. I had a reality you know, uh, setting in and saying, okay, we got to dive into those issues and problems that, that, that the investors I work with are having and I got to help them. I got to help myself and I got to help them. And I made a promise early on in the crash. I made a promise to myself and I held that promise. I said, any investor of mine that's going to call, even not an investor of mine, just someone else that's going to call and say, I need help. What can I do? Or how can you help me? I will pick up the phone and I will speak to that person. And I did it. I did it. You know, it wasn't easy because those conversations in 2008, 9, 10 were not pleasant conversation. It was all distress, all stress, all issues, all problem. But I made that promise and I told myself the following. If I take those phone calls from investors that are going through hard times, a couple of things may happen. One, 
I am in, in the, I am in this the eye of the storm. I am dealing with it on a daily basis. Maybe there's something that I'm already investigated, looked into, and I can share with that person and help him get out of that problem. That's one. Number two, maybe I can learn something from that person that I can benefit myself. And when I say myself, I can maybe benefit and then share it with other people. So there's also, you know, uh, 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 you know, cross collaboration here. And the third thing was, the third thing was, um, maybe this person is so much under stress that investor, for one reason or another, lost their job, issues with the house. I don't know. I don't always know. But the stress was there. And this person needs to vent. And maybe even use me a little bit as a punching bag, which happened a few times when someone was frustrated about something. I said, that's fine. You know what? If I can be that punching bag or, or, or express that, you know, stress level, let's do that. You know, that may help as well. But I always intended to help that, that, that person who invested. I always wanted to give them some advice, some direction, something to look into. You know, if there's anything I could do to help, you know, um, many times it did work and obviously I, we, we benefit, I benefited it too and made sure it kept propelling to others. Now, that wasn't an easy era. I remember around 2000 and maybe 10 and, 10 and 11, those type of a negative calls started to drop out. And the reason I'm saying this is not because I wanna, I think I'm something, I'm someone special. I just saw a lot of people around me in this business. People in similar positions or in similar situations like mine, being that kind of real estate, you know, kind of professional or expert, however you want to call it. And I saw a lot of those people either disappeared completely, not surprisingly, right? Some of them I haven't seen since. And some of them I just saw they're dunking and they're avoiding those calls and they're not stepping up to the role of helping, you know, their clients, which shocked me and disappointed me. And I told myself, that's not who I, I am. That's not what I want to be. Um, so definitely have my fair share of mistakes, fair share of issues, fair share of problems before, during, after. Obviously, I'm an investor. And when we, when we, when we do those, when we invest, things happen. So I have a, you know, we can have a whole different session about that as well. So why am I telling you all of this is because Mainly, even before the crash, but I think all this resilient concept uh, um, solidified into my DNA during or right after the the, the crash. And the and, and when I started looking at metros in the U.S., I should be considering that was my leading my leading torch because I always go into a metro and I ask myself for more than ten years when the next crash comes right? What's going to happen here? How is this area going to, you know, suffer or survive the next crash, knowing it's coming? When? I never know. But knowing it's coming, you know, oh, it's always there. Statistically, or on average, in the US, we have about some sort of a downturn once a decade, right? Obviously, we're having something going on right now. We don't know exactly how this is evolved. We're still going through it as we speak but um obviously this is something that uh um that's happening right now so even statistically we should have had some sort of a downturn coming regardless this COVID-19 situation but my leading question was always resilient what's going to happen during this time and just let me 
tell you one thing I noticed back in 2008. One of the markets we were in investing quite heavily before the crash of 2008 was the Dallas-Fort Worth you know, Metro. The Dallas-Fort Worth Metro is a very, in my opinion, a very resilient market altogether. That's not saying there are no issues. That's not, not saying there is not going to be problems. That's just saying that when the crash of 2008 happened, the, the Dallas Metro, the DFW Metro, investment-wise, real estate value-wise, held its number. It actually went up about 1% during that time. 1%. 1% sounds like nothing, right? But when everything is crashing around you, and you are at the point where you're not even, you're, you're staying flat or even going up 1%, that's amazing. That's amazing, okay? That's what I call resilient, okay? Now, when the COVID-19 kind of came to a full attention mid-March of, you know, for all of us, the one, the, one of the first thing I did a few days in, something around the 20th of March, is I called all my teams. I set up a conference call with all the property managers and all the agents I work with in multiple U.S. metros. Those are people that I interact with them, let's say, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. I speak to them. You know, they are... Not my direct employees, but they are part of the Simply Do It network, right? Those are, those are long, you know, multiple years relationship. We you know, we talk frequently. You know, they understand that I see them part of the team. I, you know, I help them succeed in their businesses. They are helping our investors. So it's a, it's a network, you know, a very you know well knowledgeable or, or or you know network or close knit network, right? We all know each other very well for many years. Many 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 transactions. So I it brought all of those all of those people on a conference call and we started talking and that was in March and we just wanted to kind of figure out at that time the the main gist of the conversation was are we going to see a significant default uh number of defaults of rent coming April nobody knew right and we waited April came through and we actually I spoke to all the property managers kind of April 10 and a little bit after, after the first 10, 12 days of collections. And we had issues, right? Most of the issues that we had uh, were, um, were solvable, communication with the tenant. And actually, I was shocked to see the number of issues that we had was relatively small. Relatively small. Someone is saying, can you hear me well? Let's uh, try and do this. Hopefully, is it better now? I hope so. Okay. Problem with the mic. We're going to switch mic. Oh, I'm going to try and switch mic because uh, I'm getting some feedback here. There's a... Ooh, okay, okay. Hang on, let's just uh, make sure. Can you hear me now? Is it any better now? We're not just wasting our time. Is it any better now? The uh, Okay, there's always delay. I'm going to wait for a second.
First of all, hang on. We're gonna the, uh, this session today. Okay, I think it's better now. Uh, hopefully, it is better now. And if not, uh, I trust the participants will let me know. All right. So um, April came through. Long, long story short, we had a very small, relatively number of issues of collecting rents. But what all the property managers told me, he said, wait, it's just April. Let's see how May comes, comes across. We're back. My apologies, hiccups, technology. Um, so as I was saying, we, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, I apologize for the for the hiccup here, but let's just uh, uh, continue exactly where I left off. Um, May came out, you know, the, the property manager was saying, wait, let's wait for May to come across and see what happens then. And May came, and yes, we had some issues, but nothing catastrophic. Nothing relative. The number of issues we had was relatively super small to the uh, number of properties that owned, you know, in the Simply Do It network. Okay, and if and all of them were negotiated, uh, talked with, resolved with the tenants, and then the property manager say, "Wait, let's see how June comes across." Right, and June came, and the same thing happened. Right, so after three months. Not that anybody's optimistic, not that we think that we're out of the woods, but what it showed all of us that the formula that we are using is a resilient formula and it's being, you know, a, a stress test as we speak. And what do I mean by resilient formula? So when we talk about investing, I always say, you know, as a joke, I call it the type of, of investing we do. And we help our investors, you know, conduct is what I call boring investing. When I talk about the rental properties, I, you know, and this is the majority of what we do, I call it boring. The more boring the, the property is or the investment is, the more sexy I find it. Why? It's because when you think about this, 99% of our investors buy remotely. A person who lives in Silicon Valley purchase, you know, a rental property in Nashville. That person may not, you know, 85% of our investors will not even go and see the property, not before they buy, not while under contract, and not after. Some do, most don't, right? And that's fine. 
And we teach them how to do this remotely without the need to travel, although I always think it's good to travel, especially when you're starting out. Now, all the decisions that we've put together in, in the process of selecting a specific property are decisions to reduce the noise in the system. And why do I call the noise in the system? When you own real estate, you're going to have noise in the system. Noise meaning repairs, vacancies, issues with tenant, you know, friction with property managers, um, and so on, right? This is a live organism because remember, there's a house inside the house. There's a tenant. The house has its own, you know, you know, uh, um, it, it, the house has its own thing, like you know, breaks and something happens, and the tenant has his own issues. Or the house has issues. The tenant has issues, and then on the top of that, we've used a property manager. The property manager has issues. Issues are not issues. Issues is communication, is a misunderstanding, is, is so on and so forth, right? So this is the noise that every property will generate. The question or the goal I'm trying to accomplish for our investors is I want to reduce that noise level, you know, as much as possible. And I want to choose to help them select investment properties that will survive the next downturn or are going through a stress test and so far surviving it. I hope that will, will, uh, will continue, but, or, you know, like that. But what do I mean by surviving? I mean, right now, what are we seeing? We're seeing that very small number of our properties are in a situation or problematic situation resulting from COVID-19. Remember, there's no such thing as a, no property management company will report 100% collection of rent. There's always something happening regardless COVID-19. COVID-19 created another layer. I can give you an example. One of my own tenants in Orlando, they, in April, said, we're having problems here for whatever reason, and we worked out, you know, a formula. And they stepped up, held their end of the bargain, and everything is fine now. So there's no, you know, issue resolved, right? Um, we had two properties that already had issues with the tenant before COVID-19 started, and COVID-19 elevated or escalated the issue with those tenants. And both of them are now, it took another two months, but they're resolved, right? It wasn't easy, but it resolved, and it's actually not even related to COVID-19. Now, when I called, I made a decision um, in April and I called, I tried to call all my clients. I probably didn't get to all of them. But I called probably 80% of my clients. One by one, call on the phone, international ones, local ones, different parts of the country. I call and say, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you, are you healthy? Everybody's doing fine? Good. How is your, is your properties? Property or properties? Issues? Problem? And we, and I went through just one by one and I wanted to show, first of all, that I'm here for them and I can help them. There's a lot of unknown and uncertainty and not that I have the answers, but also to remind them that I'm here to help if they do, right? Most of them know that. Some of them were actually very appreciative that I called and initiated and all of a sudden they had a question about something else and we kind of evolved the conversation to something else. So I called it, but the reason I'm telling you about this series of calls that I made. It took me about three weeks to, to go, even more than three weeks to go through the list uh, because it's a pretty big one. But um, one of the things I was kind of happy to see, no one, well, most by far, 
did not report any major issues. Yes, some of them had issues with the tenants resulting from COVID-19. And in all those cases, the property manager stepped up and took care of, of what needs to be done. It wasn't easy. There was uncertainty, unknown, you know, people on the other and, and you know, tenants. So it takes time, right? Some tenants are more communicative. Some tenants are less communicative. So sometimes it, it, it even took in some cases maybe... 45 days to two months to resolve something until we, we sort it out. It's all sorted out. But the one thing, so I'm expecting this noise and issues, but the one thing I am, I was very pleased to see or to hear or to, to, to realize, like for the most part, there was no major issues being reported. And when there were, we were taking care of them. That told me, the formula I am using is a, it shows resilience and it, it's showing strength of withholding or surviving time like this. Now, I got to tell you, the reason I call this session resilient over IROI is because in my career, I have seen and I've also invested in lower end properties. Lower end properties usually looks like this. A $50,000 property in not so good part of town with tenants that are financially challenged, typically, they, this type of property on paper, it, you know, older property typically. So usually, usually you get like, like a 1940 or 1950, you know, if you're lucky, you know, you know, 750, 900 square feet, you know, 2-1, 2-2, two, two, Maybe in a fair shape, right? The problem with those properties is the following. On paper, rents, you buy it for 50, it rents for 850. Wow, cash flow is amazing, right? But here's what I have a problem with this. This type of property typically generate more noise, noise in the system. What do I mean by noise with a situation like this? When an older property has a repair, Usually, it doesn't cost just the, the, the simple repair to fix it up. It actually needs to bring it up to code. You got electrical issue issues. Guess what? It's about time to replace your, I can't even remember the name, uh, knob and tube wires and put new ones up to code. If you don't do that, you know, the, the electrician is either not licensed and he cannot do the job or he won't do it because he's risking. All of a sudden, a 300, you know, something that could have cost maybe three, four, five hundred dollars, it's a three thousand, four thousand. You gotta replace the roof. Guess what? The roof is not up to code. So, uh, so a, a, a two thousand or four thousand or six thousand dollar roof now it's ten thousand. Wait, you gotta replace the water heater. I've had that. I have roof. I have the water heater. Guess what happened? The six, seven hundred dollar, you know, water heater became 1200 why because the code is different you need strap you need a you know you need to elevate it you need this da, 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 da. oh all those costs are, are significantly higher okay so right there maintenance costs issues and in, in up in updating right that's one doesn't always have to happen but usually that's you know, how it looks like then you have tenants that are many of them will have problems you know paying on time many of them will, will default you have much more vacancy much more default aspect of the issue so all of a sudden this fifty thousand old property in not so good part of town which means it's not going to appreciate that well is really not 
effectively generating 850 a month in cash flow or better or not in cash flow in rent or better yet the cash flow you were anticipating is much lower because the turnover the cost the issues etc on the top of that there's more noise in your life even when you work with property manager he keeps saying oh the tenant didn't pay the tenant moved out there's a repair and many times investors who, who do it remotely what they get out of it is the following it's impossible that we're having those issues, you know, repairs nonstop and tenants who cannot, you know, stay. And it has to be the property manager. And the mistrust with the property manager grows and then it blows up usually or many times, right? Or we just think, you know, this guy is a crook. We always think the property managers are crook, which is not true. But the property managers keep having issues because we chose a type of property that it's going to behave this way. We made a clear decision to choose that property, which is going to be problematic to begin with. The area, the tenant, the age, everything. Even the best property manager in the country cannot win this, this battle, right? With this such a property. It's just not going to happen. Now, the scenario that I have in mind for my investors is let's buy in a growing market that has you know, you know, positive migration. Let's go to a metro in the country that has at least 1.5 million people population-wise and more. Some of the metros we are in are 2, 2.5, 6, 7 million. Perfect. Why? Local economy, strong local economy, right? 1.5 million population and, and up will have multiple property managers, multiple big employers, right? Not to mention small and medium-sized employers. Hopefully, multiple industries are present and not just entertainment or not just, you know, energy or anything like that. So all this decision making by choosing which metro, you know, what to buy, where to buy, the type of property, the segment or the, or the, or the specific, you know, uh, uh, geography within the metro, not the crappy area, but the nice school district. You know, doesn't have to be all A, you know, schools. A B is okay. Sometimes even C is okay. But as long as we make those kind of very clear decisions, where to buy, what to buy, metro, like which metro, which areas within and which house, and then we inspect the house and we try to buy newer houses, that all leads to less issues, right? So for me, you know, a bad day in my, in, you know, on, on my end is when the, an investor client of mine calls in and says, listen, Danny, I just want you to know that the house has been sitting vacant for two months. Two months? That's horrible. Let me call the property manager, see what's going on, make sure everything is done. Does it happen? Absolutely. Does it happen all the time? Not at all. Two months, It's when someone hits a two-month mark, that's, you know, that's that. That's usually the abnormal. Can it go to three months? Absolutely. Does it happen all the time? Not at all. It does happen, but not all the time. Usually, in between tenants, about a month, maybe a month and a half, depending on winter, summer. You know, if we did everything correctly, of course, no guarantees. But the whole point is, we select the good properties in good areas, in good metros. We pick carefully the teams we work with, property managers and agents. All of those things are just us trying to lower the risk, lower the noise, and generate a more P 
peaceful investment in an appreciating market. No guarantees, but that's what we're trying to do. So here you are, a person, an investor, beginner or experienced, you know, living in Silicon Valley, San Diego, Seattle, New York, Europe somewhere. You bought a property and guess what? Are you going to have vacancies? Yes, you will. Are you going to have repairs? Yes, you will. Maybe evictions every seven or 10 years. Yes, you will. It will happen, right? Are you going to have a misunderstanding or miscommunication with the property managers? Yes, you will. Is it a catastrophe? No, it's just a misunderstanding. You may end up paying 500 bucks more than the original budget or something like this. This is part of this, right? But am I seeing all the stories that I hear? Um, you know, squatters. I've never had a squatters. Knock on wood. Hopefully, I will never see that, right? Um, you know, uh, breakings left and right. No, it does happen very rarely. Uh, very long vacancies. Wow. Four months happens maybe once every uh, once one house in our network a year may get four months, maybe two, and that's you know that's like everybody's going crazy about this, right? So this is the, the, the this is like the big 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 problem, right? Um, so we don't have really. Uh, crazy stuff happening. Actually, it's pretty boring. For the most part, the house is rented. The te- the property manager is taking care of it, right? He or she will update you or you communicate. Some are doing it better. Some are doing it not as good, but they're not bad. And that's and you should not be bothered by it on an ongoing basis. If you're expecting to buy and forget. Ain't going to happen. That's not the right avenue for you. But if you're saying, I want to minimize the noise because I have my own lifestyle. I'm traveling for work or used to. I have kids. I have a job. I have this. I have that. And that's fine. I don't want the investment to, you know, to take over my life. This is the right setting, right? But this setting means you're not going to buy a $50,000 home cash. This uh, this in, in, uh, settings mean... You're probably going to spend fifty thousand to buy two hundred thousand or one hundred and fifty or something around those numbers, you know, house in a nicer part of town, right? And we'll hang on for it for probably five, if not more, years. But all very important is not is to check the resilience of the metro. What's going to happen when? The crash or the downturn happen. How is this area going to survive? And if you're doing your homework well and choosing right areas, then the chances of you having any issues are going down. It's not zero. It's going down. So resilience is, you know, is very important. Now, if you really think about it, my property, the boring property, single family home that I'm talking about here versus the $50,000 property on paper, the ROI of the cheaper property is going to be higher. I'm compromising on the ROI for the sake of resilient, the sake of quiet, stress, etc. But over the long term, my house, my boring house, will most likely appreciate better, will most likely hold tenants better, will have less issues. Think about, you know, everybody's doing the ROI. Nobody's doing the return on stress, the return on noise, right? The hours you're going to deal, even when you work with a property manager, you're going to spend more time with the cheaper properties, dealing, answering, looking, questioning, etc. That has to be priced as well, right? So my investors can easily add another property to their portfolio 
without expecting that it will double or quadruple or who know or not their involvement time-wise. It's going to add more time of involvement, ongoing questions, you know, etc. But it's not going to double it. It's not going to quadruple it. And that's very important. So when you're making a decision, think about what's going to happen in the next downturn. Think about the resilience. Think about the time and stress aspect of it. This is very important aspect of the investment that we tend to not see or not care or not deal with. And only later, we're going to find out they're important. Now, if you are, you know, if you are looking to, and you make sense to you to buy that $50,000 home in a not so good part of town, and that makes sense to you, go for it. Be ready to have, to spend more time, you know, dealing with it and if you're willing to do it that's not a problem nobody i'm not saying that i know what's best for you i don't i'm just wanna express those things that you understand there is a there you should price tag your time your stress your noise in the system which is hard and give it some thought and then make a decision right if you want to deal with it, I have, I know people that that's what they do. They specialize in those lower end properties. And guess what? They, most of them do it full time, whether remotely or locally. And they say, absolutely, Danny, we don't argue with you. It does require more time, but I get better cash flow. Okay. Fine. That's fine. As long as you understand it, know what you have. Us investors are many times attracted. To the ROI or to the cash flow without understanding the entire aspects or the entire, you know, the entire uh, um, indicators we need to measure. So that's pretty much what I wanted to cover today about resilient and about stress testing and about noise and boring investment versus not so boring investment. And if you have any questions, please send them over right now. Um, comments are... Uh, uh, comments are coming through. Uh, unfortunately, there's been some hiccup here with the uh, video. So, uh, as much as I can tell, as much as I can tell, the uh, um, probably the best place to walk, to listen to this will be on the podcast. Um, it's probably the most consistent without interruptions. And... Um, I'm just going to wait for a few seconds to see if there are any questions. Questions do not have to be directly related to the topic discussed today. They can be also real estate related, COVID-19 related, markets related. You know, it's all all okay. I'm going to wait for a few more seconds and then... um, We'll take it from there. All right. Uh, Maybe it's the issues we're having. Maybe it's the uh, technical challenges. It's okay. I want to thank thank everyone for spending this morning with me, evening, afternoon. Um, you, uh, you can always look us up online, send me an email if you want to set up a time to talk. A lot of the people that uh, that before uh, get started investing or get started with us 
ask for a one-on-one -on -one conversation. We do it every day. Um, no string attached, no sales pitch. You know, let me know if you want to talk. We can take this whole concept from a general concept to the individual scenario, the individual situation, and then see if there's a good fit between what we are doing and what you're trying to accomplish. So you can email me, you can uh, um, DM me, whatever you want, no problem, and we can set it up. Thank you very much for the time, for the attention, for the feedback. I, I wish all of you a great rest of your day and a great weekend. I hope we're going to have a session next week, uh, July, being July 4th. I'm not sure just yet. Thank you, everyone. Have a terrific rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. Hi, Danny here, and thank you for joining me for another session. A uh, couple of uh, quick uh, notes. First of all, I apologize. We had some uh, tech glitch mid-session, uh, mid so you may hear a bit of a one-minute-long pause. I apologize for that. Those things happen. Secondly, and more importantly, this episode is something that I really liked doing, mainly because it talks about the one thing we don't tend to put a price tag on, that is the stress or risk or um, time we spend on a specific investment. I'm going to explain that much better in much detail in this episode. Enjoy the episode and thank you for listening.